A reading from the book of Luke 4, 21 to 30. Then he began to say to them, Today the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his mouth. They said, Is not this Joseph's son? He said to them, Doubtless you will quote to me this proverb, Doctor, cure yourself. And you will say, Do hear also in your hometown the things that we have heard you did at Capernaum. And he said, Truly I tell you, no prophet is accepted in the prophet's hometown. But the truth is, there were many widows in Israel in the time of Elijah, when the heaven was shut up three years and six months, and there was a severe famine over all the land. Yet Elijah was sent to none of them except to a widow at Zarephath in Sidon. There were also many lepers in Israel at the time of the prophet Elisha, and none of them was cleansed except Naaman of the Syrian. When they heard this, all in the synagogue were filled with rage. They got up, drove him out of the town, and led him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built, so that they might hurl him off the cliff. But he passed through the midst of them and went on his way. The word of the Lord. I don't know if you're like me, but I hate buying a new car. I mean, I like having a new car. And as often as I wreck cars, I do this a lot, actually. (laughs) Uh, I'm always... And I, I hate going to a dealership and dealing with a car salesman. And I, I get so worked up, like just in anticipation of it, I get so worked up. And I go into it with this, I, I hop out of my car at the dealership and I've just got this attitude already on my face. Like I'm expecting the guy to try and jerk me around and uh, I'm just, I'm defensive, I'm rude. I never tell him where I work. <laughs> Because I'm rude, I, I'm cynical, I, I don't trust a thing they say, and they can tell, because <laughs> I'm just so, I'm ready for a fight the minute I walk into that dealership, and I'm just a perfectly nice person, I'm sure, but I'm all worked up already, and it doesn't matter, and I get the feeling this morning that that's where Jesus is, is at, uh, Jesus comes home, and this is actually the sermon today is part two from last week. We pick up, in fact, we have a, a carryover scripture from last week. Remember, Jesus went home to his home church after, after leaving town. He's been wandering around Capernaum and, and preaching and words gotten back to his hometown. Oh, Jesus is really impressing people out there on the, as a circuit rider out on the synagogue circuit, you know, and impressing everybody. And let's see what he has to do when he comes home. And Jesus comes home and for some reason he seems a little, he seems a little uh, edgy about it. Like he's almost anticipating that all those, all those people who knew him when he was a kid are going to take exception to something he has to say. And he kind of goes into it feeling a little defensive. You remember last week he rolled, he unrolled the scroll and he read the scripture like Sophie did this morning and read it, rolled it up and then announced to the congregation today in your hearing, this has been fulfilled. And that what had been fulfilled is what we read last week, 
that I have been anointed by God. The Spirit is upon Jesus, has anointed him to bring good news to the poor, to, re, to proclaim release to the captives, to bring sight to the blind, to bring uh, hearing to the deaf, to, to let the lame walk, and to, to you know, pro- declare a year of the Lord's favor, a jubilee, when everything would be starting over again. So Jesus, that's what Jesus means when he says in our text today, today in your hearing, this has been fulfilled. And he's He's sitting there in the, in the congregation and everyone's looking at him. There must be something about the way they were looking at him. He starts to get snippy with them. And he says, oh, I know what you're thinking. <laughs> you're thinking, doctor, heal yourself. And I know, I know what you're thinking. You want to see some, some uh, miracles like you've been hearing about. You want me to come in here? You want me to put on a good show for everybody? I don't know what he's so defensive about. But Jesus seems a little defensive. You want me to put on a good show for you? You want me to do some miracles? And then he says, well, that's not going to happen here. It's going to be like in the old days. When Elijah, in the days of Elijah, when the prophet was called to declare the word of the Lord, where did he go? What had happened was, there was I'm not going to get into the whole story, but basically he was running away from, uh, from the queen and went out in the wind, and there was a famine that the Lord had caused for their three years. And God sent Elijah to the, this widow in the territory of the Sidon. And he went there and he said, feed me. God wants you to feed me. And she was a little reluctant about that because she didn't have very much food. But she went ahead and shared uh, her meal her food with Elijah. And when her son became sick and died, Elijah prayed to God and raised him from the dead and healed him. And how blessed, what a blessing that was. And what Jesus says was there were plenty of widows in Israel. God could have sent Elijah to a widow in Israel, but instead he sent Elijah to a foreign land. And to a widow in Sidon. Then he tells it, he makes reference to another story of uh, Naaman, General Naaman. He was a general in the Syrian army. And there was, he goes to Syria, Elisha, the prophet. Uh, actually, uh, Naaman marries a Hebrew girl, a Hebrew woman, and he become, he has leprosy. And his wife says, why don't you go to the prophet Elisha and go uh, let him pray to God for you and you might be healed. So he sends word to the king and there's a little back and forth between that. Anyway, eventually he sends word to, uh, he goes to Elisha's house, he knocks on the door and Elisha doesn't even come out. He just sends a note, says, oh, uh, go wash yourself in the river Jordan seven times and you'll be healed. Now leave me alone. (laughs) And he's all upset. Naaman, the general Naaman is all snippy about it. Ah, well, he doesn't even come out and see me. And isn't there better water in Syria than the River Jordan? And so he goes away. He doesn't do it. And his wife said, well, that's silly. Why? (laughs) You know, if he had asked you to do some crazy thing, like go climb a mountain and turn around six times and spit, you would have done that. Why don't you just go wash yourself and see what happens? So he does. Washes himself seven times in the River Jordan. And sure enough, he's cured of leprosy. 
and praises Yahweh and becomes a follower of Yahweh from that day on. And what Jesus says is, there were plenty of lepers in Israel. And God could have sent Elijah to lepers in Israel, but no, instead he cured Naaman, a general in Syria. Basically, Jesus seems to be saying to this wonderful congregation that raised him up. How dare he? (laughs) That raised him up. He looks at them and says, you know what? God's blessing is not here. It's not going to happen here. But don't look at me like I'm supposed to bring it. Because it's not going to happen here while you sit in your pews and listen to me. Uh, And this upsets them. (laughs) Uh, his attitude seems to upset them, and they try to run him out of town. In fact, they, they try to kill him, but he slips through and, and gets out of Dodge as fast as he can. But he seems to be saying to those people that I know he loved, these lovely people who helped raise him, you know, marry a single mom. Here was his family, his church home, his family. But he seemed to be saying, he must know them really well. Because he seems to be saying, we have got to get off of our butts here in Nazareth and we've got to go out and take God's love outside of these walls. And he seems to be saying to these wonderful people of God that he grew up with, whom he loves, he seems to be saying, I know you think that you are God's chosen people and I know that you think that your salvation is secured by your lineage and your heritage and by just, you know, by, by who you are, but your salvation is not here. Your salvation is out there. Your salvation is out there. That's where God is working. In Sidon and in Syria and in the Gerasenes and in Samaria and out beyond these walls. And if you want to experience what God is doing, you're going to have to follow me out of this place and go there. Because salvation is out there. And and they ran him out of town. Who knows? Maybe a few of them went with him. Who knows? But that was his message to his, his lovely home congregation. And you know, this same message is appropriate for us today. How many times over the millennia have we felt very comfortable in our own space? Have we felt very comfortable coming and experiencing salvation here? Have we come and prayed the sinner's prayer and gone before God and and experienced the, the, the grace of forgiveness wash over us like a like a beautiful mountain stream and leaves us clean and fresh. How often over the millennia have good Christian folks gathered and sang the songs of praise and brought our gifts to the altar, shared a casserole upstairs and then gone our own merry way only to come back again and receive salvation again in the comfort and warmth of a beautiful sanctuary like this one. But what I, what I am hearing from Jesus today is salvation is not here. 
Salvation is not here. It's out there. We come and celebrate here. Amen. We come and rejoice here. We come and get healed here. Amen. We come and find our way and we, and we come and get support and guidance and we come and get affirmation here and we come and get empowered here. We stir up the old Holy Spirit again, but it's got to go with us outside these walls because out there is where salvation is. Amen. It's out there. Out there, when we leave this place and we go through our week and we go to work on Monday and there is someone right in front of us who is hurting, who needs a kind word, who needs a healing, who needs our prayer, whether we tell them we're praying for them or not, that's where salvation is. It comes when we go out there into the world, we go home and uh, you know everyone's fighting about who's going to do the dishes. And that still small voice of God says, you better find yourself some grace. (laughs) You better find yourself some grace for this person you love. Better find some grace. And that's where salvation occurs. Amen. Salvation happens when we're out and we're, we're, we're making decisions and we're looking around and we're saying, I, uh, I need to do something about this world I'm in right now and we look at the news and we're so cynical and we're so beat down and we ask ourselves, how long, Lord? And the Lord says, I'm asking that same question. <laughs> the response from God comes, how long, people? And then we, under the guidance of that same Holy Spirit that moved Jesus, we say, well, I'm going to do something. I'm going to write a congressman. I'm going to go... Stay, I'm going to go up to the Capitol. I'm going to recycle. I'm going to, I'm going to reach out to the, to the poor. I'm going to go serve down at the road home. I'm going to do something. I'm going to hide someone who's going back to violence. I'm going to hide them. I'm going to do something. Because that's where salvation is. Salvation is when we are out there... And we are beaten down and we're sad and we're lonely. And a fellow human being reaches out to us and gives us a grace, gives us a word, gives us a hug. Gives us those things we need to say, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going. Salvation occurs when we are overwhelmed by our grief. And God says, let's take one more step. Let's take two more steps. Let's get through the next minute. Let's get through the next hour. There's light in the middle of this darkness. And if you just believe and trust in me, I'll lead you through this darkness into the light. Amen. We know the truth of it. We hear the word of Jesus come to us today. That while this is, a, this is an amazing place to be, we take it for granted. I can tell we take it for granted because the pews are not as full as they could be. <laughs> we take this space, this time, this worship, this celebration, this, this time of reinvigoration, we take it for granted. But what we do here is really to equip us to go and experience 
the salvation that is out there. And I don't mean just our own salvation, our own soul, our own well-being. I mean the good of all people. Amen? The salvation of the world and the kingdom of God lived out. We can't live it out just in this little space. The kingdom of God has got to be lived out out there. And as we, like Jesus, feel the anointing of the Holy Spirit, we will, every day, it's got to be more than just Sunday, we will every day experience the salvation that Jesus promises us all the time. Let us pray. Our loving and gracious God, we thank you so much for this space, this wonderful community, this place where we come and we feel your spirit at work in our hearts and we feel so close to you in this time and we thank you for that but help us to remember that we've got to take that with us and we've got to live it out not just on sunday but every day and every time we encounter the world around us and we ask ourselves how is the kingdom of god going to be revealed in me and in this situation We thank you that we don't have to do it on our own strength, but we can rely on who you are in our lives. We ask this in the powerful name of Christ. Amen.